Welcome to the Leader to Leader podcast from Chime, where we bring you the top innovators in digital health leadership with your host, the president and CEO of Chime, Russ Branzell. Hello, and welcome to the Leader to Leader podcast, a Chime Foundation series where we bring you the best of the best in digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host of this podcast and the president and CEO of the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives, or Chime. We continue to live and adapt in these unprecedented times for healthcare professionals, their industry partners, and the people we all serve. Leaders across the industry have proven their talent and determination as they innovate and transform their organizations to meet the moment and shape the future. We're proud to know those leaders and support them here at Chime and in our Chime Foundation. Today, we welcome another outstanding digital leader whose experience is an amazing asset to our industry and to Chime. Ed Marks, a lifetime member of Chime with more than 30 years of experience and is now the new Chief Executive Officer at Divergent. He is a graduate of our boot camp program, though many years ago, is a board certified CIO, CHCIO, and has served on our faculty teaching hundreds, if not thousands, of our next generation's leaders. He has held numerous CIO positions across the nation and has recently worked at one of our other Chime Foundation firms as their head of their digital strategy as an executive there. Most importantly, a dear friend, Ed, welcome to the program. Thank you, Russ. I'm really excited to be a, a guest. Well, hey, let's just start off with the big news that I just mentioned. Uh, you have just started a new role as CEO. Now, one of those uh, three-letter titles that was not in your uh, in your vocabulary there for a long time. Now, new CEO at Divergent. So what's up with the new CEO role and what drew you there? Yeah, well, you're my model. I've been following you my entire career and I saw you make the jump to CEO. So that gave me some confidence, but yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked, super pumped, excited, all those sort of adjectives, a little scared, you know, uh, uncharted territory for me, but thanks to Chime, and I, I don't say that just because I'm on the podcast, but you know, from my heart, I am such a huge uh, advocate of Chime and, and, and credit a lot of my success on all the things that I learned, including the boot camp that you mentioned, and then getting to teach it over and over and over and hearing from other faculty just really helped with all of my skills and, and experiences and such. Uh, so I have a confidence despite being a little bit scared. Plus, you know, I've been able to serve Russ like you in many fine organizations with many fine teams that helped shape who I am today. So really it's, it's a credit. I get my confidence from all those people and organizations and chime, you know, that'll help me in this new journey. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited and happy to be chatting about it with you. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, I, I uh, uh, took that same stomach wrenching position many, you know, over a decade now, even more than that, when I was in a health system in Colorado that you know well. And, and I remember looking around and going, well, where are all the other CIOs that have gone to the CEO position? And there weren't many. Uh, matter of fact, there were quite a few, quite only a few of those out there. Why do you think this has not been a natural movement for CIOs to move to the CEO position when you consider how much operational knowledge, organizational understanding they have in these positions? Why do you believe this is why it is? And is there just a perception issue? What's going on? 
Yeah, you're right. That the CIO, we have been uniquely positioned in all these organizations to truly understand the breadth and depth of the entire operations. But for some reason, very few have made that jump. I think the other notable one is Sharesh, who went from CIO to CEO now of UC San Francisco, which is pretty bodacious, you know, and a great example. But yeah, uh, there should be a lot more of us. And I think one of the reasons is we allowed ourselves to be typecast, perhaps, if we use an analogy to Hollywood, where maybe we were only known as a, a, a dramatic actor. And so we couldn't get the roles to be, you know, more of a uh, broaden the type of roles that we might get into all the different other areas. And so I think part of that comes to what what you and I have spoken about and you talk about a lot on this podcast. And that's really making sure that our skill sets are definitely more broad and that we take on additional responsibilities in our CIO roles. And again, you're a great example of that, what you did back in Colorado, taking on HR and other operational areas. And we should look for opportunities. And if they don't present themselves, we should ask for them and try to learn different things. So along my journey, I did the same thing. We actually started a, a small little boutique consulting firm when I was at Texas Health. You know, I always got deeply involved in operations. And I think that'll help open the eyes and create the opportunity for more CIOs to get into CEO type of positions. So I think, one, you have to be proactive. I think you have to build your capabilities, right, through through Chime and learning how to be a digital leader. Uh, you know, ACHE is another good example of someplace, you know, to learn some of those uh, type of executive skills. And, and, you know, if I may offer one or two more really quick, uh, Russ, you know, one is to be on boards. So, uh, volunteer to be on boards and it doesn't matter how small or how large how prestigious it just doesn't matter it's an opportunity to give back but also you learn more about you know the broader sort of business things and the last thing is to build your brand a lot of us cios have been shy about building a brand because we think that it's promoting ourselves but really what you're doing the more you get skilled up and the more experiences you have Yes, it helps your brand, but you're really giving back to your own organization when you do that. So I think those are, you know, that's one of the reasons that we haven't seen more CIOs go to CEOs, but those were two or three little practical tips that might help others achieve that. Yeah, that's some amazing advice. And as they always say, sometimes you just follow the Nike thing and just do it, you know, jump off. The worst that's going to happen is you fail. And we all fail in life at different points. That's, that's wonderful advice. Well, a couple of years ago, you transitioned from what we traditionally call the provider side, the healthcare side, into the supplier. Some use the word vendor. I use the word partner world. Um, and you've been doing that for a while now. And now, obviously, leading one of those organizations, a longtime Chime Foundation member in Divergent. And, you know, first of all, how has that changed for you where you're used to being involved on a day-to-day -day basis with patient care and the people walking the halls and that kind of stuff? But- when you're in that new world, what did you learn? And, and how does that help you transition into this new role? Yes. Well, first, I, I, it's hard. That transition was hard because I missed being close to clinicians and patients. And, you know, the timing of when I made my first change, Russ, was right before the pandemic. And when the pandemic happened, I saw all my peers and the things that they were doing and trying to serve clinicians and patients and their communities. I felt like that, you know, you and I are both uh, veterans from the military, but I, I, you know, I was like combat engineer and I felt like all my buddies had gone to war and I was stateside and, you know, trying to add value. And I believe we did, but it, 
it just wasn't the same. So it, it, it was definitely, it was definitely hard, but I also learned sort of the, the good things in the, the entire ecosystem, how we really are there to help one another achieve the same goals, you know, which ultimately is, is all about the patient and, and wellness and, and the healthcare and such. So that, that really helped sort of even out that transition. But I, I learned the business side and I, I grew empathetic to both, you know, the, the vendor side and provider side. And I learned about what makes a good partnership and learn how things actually operate so that I could bring that lens and that focus to a CEO role in advisory type of services. Because if you don't have that experience on the provider side, I think it's a little bit hard to you know, lead a company that's providing services to the provider side. So ideally, I'm going to be taking, and you know, that's definitely the plan and the way I operated previously, taking everything I knew and learned about being on the provider side and directly involved with clinicians and, pa- and patients and bringing that sort of empathy, that mindset, that way of work to the vendor or supplier side. And, and I'm thinking that's going to be a great differentiator for us because we'll have the understanding of both. And it's not us versus them, but it's how do we serve our communities together? Well, it's interesting because, you know, one of the things that we we're lifelong learners, I know you and I are cut from that same stone for sure, but you're also a lifetime educator and you've been doing boot camps and other educating for decades like I have. And, you know, and one of the things we did in boot camp for a long time, I think we still do it, as a matter of fact, is a special little exercise called Welcome to Your New Role. And I think specifically we throw a title in there for each different boot camp. But in this case, new role for you would be the CEO where we stress the importance of really making that transition and impact in the first 90 days and that kind of creating that 30, 60, 90 day plan. What's your 30, 60, 90 day plan look like? Yeah, you know, it's not dissimilar to what we encourage boot campers to do in their own situation. And that is really to hit the ground listening. So thankfully, you know, one of the reasons I I chose Divergent along this path is that it's already a strong and very successful advisory services firm. So it's not like a rebuild where there's an emergency that I have to give immediate attention to. The team there is long tenured. They're great. They're mature leaders. Everything's running smoothly. We're on a growth trajectory. So that really allows me the freedom that first 30, 60 days to really listen. And so I'm listening to two constituents. Uh, This is gonna sound familiar, Russ. Uh, One is our customers. So I'm getting with all of our customers, as many as I can in major metropolitan areas, and just asking them, hey, how, what are we doing well? What could we do better? What else can we do to help one another? And so that's pretty simple, but very important. And then, this, and, and then at the same time, I'm listening to all of our divergers, as we call them. We have about 250 some uh, full-time divergers and I want to hear from all of them so we're creating forums to do that and you know a lot of a lot of this is online but I'm also meeting many many of them in person or or virtually so really hit the ground uh, listening is key and then that that next sort of 30 60 days is really about assessing right I, I'm taking in all those inputs I've made my own observations I'm talking to we have an advisory board as well talking to the advisory board just getting all these different inputs taking everything that I've been fortunate to learn in my past and then really assessing the team, our capabilities, determining strengths and opportunities, and then getting with the team, sharing all that information, balancing everything out, and then creating that next 90-day 
plan and then the one-year plan. We already have a three-year plan, but we they already know and everyone knows and, and expects that we're going to make uh, some adjustments to that based on everything that I just talked about. So then we're going to just you know fire on all those things and and see what happens. But I, I think the future is really great. Like I said, I'm, I'm fortunate to inherit a strong firm, and so. It's really up to me now, you know, to not blow it and, and help us to continue that growth trajectory. Well, I've known you for so long, Ed. I know you think in big terms. You think in big goals. You 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 think in uh, bodacious thoughts that that is inspiring to others. So, and you think a little bit, maybe not that three to five years out, or maybe maybe not that. 30, 60, 90 days, but what are those key strategies and goals without giving away all your intel to your competitors, but what are kind of some of those more long-term you would like to see as you've talked with the founders there and the others in the industry, you know, what's your initial take? What do you want to see happen at Divergent over the next, you know, maybe it is up to three years. Yeah, you know, there's probably two or three sort of overriding things, and I don't mind uh, sharing, Russ, because I, I believe like you do in abundance and there's plenty of opportunity out there, but I also a pretty competitive person. And I know even though we might all have uh, perhaps similar objectives or s- see the future similarly, it's really going to come down to that ability to execute. And is it really a naturally a part of, of who you are as a leader? Uh, you know, we talked about that empathy and, and vision and things like that. So, so I don't mind sharing at all. I've never have, I've always uh, shared quite freely, as you know. So I think one of the, areas is going to be digital transformation. I know that's a huge buzzword. Everyone uses it. And it's funny because we've been doing digital transformation for as long as you and I have been in our careers. But what I'm talking about is transformation to execution to excellence. So what's missing is if there is a strategy, and as we know, most don't have a strategy, but if there is a strategy, there's a huge gap between strategy and execution. And so I really want to focus not just on doing strategy, which, as you know, I led that at Cleveland Clinic and other places, is actually through execution to that excellence, to that outcomes. I don't want to be that consulting firm that comes in and makes this glorious plan and walks away. Now, if you want that, you know, there might be a better firm. I want to be I want to be there with you because I believe in what we do. And if we put out a product we are gonna see it through uh, to the finish. And so it's really about closing that gap in digital transformation. Uh, the next area is M&A, right? We're seeing M&A all the time. I don't know that it's gonna be the super big systems like uh, recently announced another example, but I think there's gonna be a lot of smaller systems uh, doing the same. I think that's a trend we're gonna see definitely for three to five, 10 years. I think we're gonna see massive consolidation. And I had to do a lot of that throughout my career. And at the Cleveland Clinic, we acquired many hospitals while I was there in my tenure, and we sort of perfected this process. I shouldn't say perfect, right? It's not perfect, but we got a lot better than what we could find out there from consulting firms at the time. So we sort of developed our, our own sort of uh, recipe and taking that knowledge plus what I've learned uh, from my other organizations and really helping these organizations be successful in M&A, because oftentimes, I think, as you know, they're not. And then the last area, there's many areas, but really digital transformation, the whole M&A, and then managed services. And I'm not talking managed services at scale in terms of outsourcing your complete IT. I think I was part of that 20 years ago. It failed. We've seen a resurgence of that recently. It's failed. I don't know of, there. I'm sure there's a couple of good examples, but I don't know them. Um, so I think it's more about selective sourcing 
it's like there's there's probably certain areas that it is better to source but i'm not sure that the days where we source everything is the right way because we just haven't seen that that work so those are some of the you know two to three things but i'll tell you let me finish this question with with uh, this little uh, nugget here whatever we do um, we are not bringing best practices. So this is my philosophy or their divergent philosophy. We are not bringing best practices. We are co-creating best practices with our client that are as unique to that client as the actual practice is in itself. So we're not coming in with the same slide deck that we use at a former client and just changing the name. So that's one thing that, you know, when I was sitting in the provider side, I was always very keen about and I didn't want to have happen. And so we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. So we're not bringing best practices. We're co-creating best practices with our clients. And then we want to help our clients move from pockets of brilliance to enterprises of excellence. So, right, every organization has kind of that bright, shining object, and it looks really good, and they all rally around it. But then you look at the rest of the ecosystem, and it's not nearly at the same level. So we want to make sure we're not coming in and just helping someone you know, do one thing well while everything else is suffering, but we really want to be that partner that really takes this concept of, hey, you got pockets of brilliance, but let's raise everything up to that same level of excellence. And the final thing, Russ, is that, you know, we're not just advisory and, and services, but I think you're going to start hearing the word design a lot more. So we want to make sure that we incorporate design thinking into every engagement. And that's something I learned from my previous role, I found it to be very powerful, and it's going to be a differentiator for us as well. So. An executive is only as good as they are personally and, and their health and their well-being and, and making sure that's there. You've heard our, our things for years. And when we talk about life balance, we don't call it life work balance, just life balance because work is part of our life. You're really good at that. You prioritize well. You, you have an interesting journey in life. What are some of your life goals you still want to create? Forget work for just a second. The thing about life, what are some of the life goals you still want to achieve um, as you try to maintain that balance and set an example for hundreds and hundreds of people as you move forward? Yeah, I don't want to give away the secret sauce to boot camp, but you know, I'll just say <laughs> that this, this is the most important part of the entire boot camp right here. And I, I've carried that with me since 2000, class of 2004. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that Chime has always focused on this and, and, and you in particular. Uh, so yeah, there's a couple of things. I desire to continue to write. I, I, writing is a creative outlet for me. I've been fortunate to blog quite successfully over the last 10, 15 years. I've been fortunate to uh, write a couple of books. I have another one coming out with Chris Ross uh, from Mayo Clinic on patient experience, which is going to go straight to retail with Simon Schuster and Mayo Clinic Press. I love Love that, and why? And, and it's so it's not really a healthcare. It is healthcare, but it's for retail market. And so my wife and I have written a book also on uh, marital fulfillment, and um, we look to release that probably by end of year. So writing is a creative outlet for me. Um, we're empty nesters. Uh, Simmer and I, we have five children, four grandchildren, and we get to spend a lot of time. Thankfully, they almost all of them live within twenty minutes of us. So we're really fortunate. And so we get to spend quite a bit of time with our, our children. And so that's very fulfilling. And we want to continue to do that, you know, as much as I'd love to like go live in Innsbruck or somewhere in uh, Germanic speaking Europe, um, you know, our kids keep us grounded here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And we love to just hang out with them. 
and Sibra and I are both ardent travelers. We love exploring. We love climbing mountains. We love doing great adventures. And so as long as we still have the legs uh, to do that, uh, we continue to do that. So we spend a lot of time on weekends hiking and then, yeah, whatever we can uh, get out and take advantage of uh, good airfares and things like that. We love to travel around the world and and just explore. So, yes, we continue on that life balance. You know, the health is as is so critical, you know, everything from, you know, eating right and exercising, all those sorts of things, you know, uh, getting regular checkups, you know, those are definitely on high on the list to, to continue to do. Wow. Well, I don't think you're going to find any affordable airfares anytime soon uh, with the way things are going right now with our economy. But with that being said, it's also just a good reaffirmation of, of, of staying well personally to stay well professionally. I appreciate that. Well, unfortunately, our time's coming to an end. One last question for you, kind of for anything you want to share with our listeners. And, and we're all products of the people of the past we've come into and the people of the present. And we create philosophies or ideas of, that we like to portray. Kind of some last thoughts on some, you know, maybe your guiding principle, your guiding thought that kind of guides you on a daily basis. Yeah, one thing that's really been speaking to me in the last couple of years is this concept, I mentioned it at the top, of abundance, and that we need to view ourselves as vessels um, that hold temporary things. And we should therefore pour out whatever is poured into us. So I've, like you said, Russ, you know, you have poured into me, uh, my teams have poured into me, mentors have poured into me, I have to pour it back out. And so I always think of, I, I visualize, you know, a picture of refreshing cold water that's sort of on its tipped over. And as water's being poured in from the top, out of the spout comes an equal amount. And so I think sometimes in life, we sort of get stuck or we get, we, we fear a little bit and we hold on. Whatever's getting poured into us, we hold on. But if you think about that same analogy or picture, there's a limit then how much you're going to get, because at some point it's going to be full and you, you can't do anything. Uh, with it, and then it gets stagnant. So instead, you know, pour it out. And as you pour it out, it creates volume, room, right, for more to be poured into. And so I think we have an ethical and a moral responsibility to pour ourselves out. And, and like I said, as we pour ourselves out, we're refreshed because others, we're creating abundance, we're creating volume for others to keep pouring in us. And, and I think, I mean, I'm the beneficiary of that. Oh my gosh, you know, all the people that have poured into me and, and hopefully when they saw the announcement of CEO, I went back to a lot of them, but hopefully for the others, when they saw that they, they could take pride knowing that they helped me achieve that. I did not do that on my own. That was from others pouring into me and I'm going to need more of it now than ever, right. As CEO. So I'm so open. And then, and I, and I promise as people pour into me, um, I'm pouring out or actually it's the opposite, right? I'm pouring out so that people can pour into me. Well, that's some amazing thought. And hey, thank you, A, for being on the program. But B, really more importantly, congratulations on the new position. Best wishes. Uh, we look forward to watching your progress and watching you lead in this new position. Um, it, it, as you said, uh, it, if you don't get up every morning and your stomach doesn't hurt just a little bit thinking about this stuff, then you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. But again, thank you for being such a great member of Chime and such a great leader for our industry. Thank you, Russ, for having me. Thank you, Chime, for everything you've done for my career. Hey, we'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us for this episode of the Chime Leader to Leader podcast. 
As always, you can visit us on Spotify or at chimecentral.org forward slash media for this and all of our podcasts from great healthcare leaders. As we continue to work our way out of this pandemic, please stay safe and God bless.